Welcome to episode 7 of Nearsighted Podcast. I'm Brandon and with me is my co-host Big John Eisner. How's it going, John? Oh, it's going. It feels really good, Brandon, to be 8 and 4. 8 and 4 did not feel like a realistic possibility, but here we are and it feels pretty good. Yeah. Um it feels Definitely like a dream compared to where we thought uh, everyone, not just us, but where we thought we were going to be going into the season. And with that, I will announce the title, which we don't normally do. We usually, you know, kind of come up with a title um, before we we release the episodes. But episode seven is going to be simply titled 14. And I think everybody knows why. For sure. All those... All those people in the media that thought they were so smart, thought they knew ball, Brandon, (laughs) put us 14th. And now everybody wants to talk about, well, look at the schedule. Look at the schedule. They looked at the schedule. That's how they came up with the 14. And they were still Yeah, everyone saw the schedule. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's not like the schedule changed (laughs) mid-season. Well, it did for the people who don't like Neil Brown. It's just every other game it was, he has to win this game to prove it. But, you know, we've talked about that. It's just... Well, I guess um, I guess the other thing to mention, Brandon. <laughs> other thing to mention is he's back. He's 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 not right. he's not going Officially anywhere. Announced. Officially announced, yep. Neil Brown will be the head coach next season, and rightfully so, he should be. Yeah, there was only one way he wasn't going to be the coach, John. You remember what that was? Oh, I trust me, I do. I I took a little heat from some of my friends from this, but I'm telling you, I still hold this to be true. If the seventy-year, a seventy-year, seventy million dollar man just called and said, "Hey, I want to be the head coach, and I'll take a little bit less money," I don't know if Neil Brown would be the head coach right now. I also still yep, want to true. point out, I still want to point something out, Brandon. I don't think we ever talked about it on this show, but you and I talked about it. You didn't, you didn't buy into it like I did, but I still think if Stoops leaves Kentucky, like if he would have gone to Texas A&M, I still think there's a chance Brown goes to Kentucky. That's all I'm saying. I'll leave it at that. But we're, we're blessed that that didn't happen. Yeah. So blessed. I'm sure everyone agrees with that. Um, <laughs> yeah. So like, <laughs> truly blessed. So let's, <laughs> let's, uh, let's recap. It's been about a week now. Um, let's recap. Mm what happened uh down there in waco and and um see uh see how the season turned out all together and then we'll get into some some bold project uh, projections and some season awards that we created this year heck yeah let's uh at the top of it though brandon look everybody the initial reaction i think was People looked at Baylor, and I we did too. I mean, we're guilty of it as well. Yeah. We looked at Baylor as the Baylor that started this season and got to midseason. Had we put a narrow focus on the last three or four games of them, I think we could have seen this coming a little bit better. Because they played yeah, well I mean, against us, obviously, and three games before that. They were playing pretty decent. Yeah. I mean, this also is a game that... Should have never been anywhere near the score that it was. Oh, you have two touchdowns right. on kickoff returns, so which hasn't happened <laughs> to West Virginia since like 1920 or something. So I think it was uh, 1905. Yeah, that's just yeah. There you go. Even worse. So they were and like, we, lost, we might go to the I think first we lost world by war, 80 but that game. 
I think we lost to 80 by that game, and I'm not even kidding. I think we actually lost by 80. I thought it was like 100. I thought it was like 100 to 0 or something like that. It, it was something. It was, it was at the time that we were like the, the equivalent of, uh, well, shoot, shoot, not even Fairmont State, WVUP, West Virginia University at Parkersburg. Like That's what we yeah. were the equivalent of in football at the time. Yeah, that they, <laughs> I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I can't really comprehend how it happens twice in one game in today's football. Uh, there's so many things that you can do differently with all the different kickoff rules the, to make somebody not be able to field a ball. But yeah, I, I just don't get it. But again, you well, know, we're going to talk about it. I don't think we're that talk about, it. yeah, I guess we have to, don't we? Yeah. Let's well, go to the offense. Though. Let's start with let's the start offense. With offense. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, let's look at some good stuff. Let's look at some good stuff, Brandon. You start us up. Well, I've got a couple guys I like to call my boy on this team, right? Oh, boy. And Garrett Green's my boy. I know. And he had a day. I mean, it, it, this should have been a game again where we, we won by 20 points, and I think there would have been a lot more praises for Garrett Green. But... Uh, 16 of 25, 269 yards and two touchdowns. That's uh, a heck of a game for someone who was picked to be the worst starting quarterback in college football. Incredible. Look, I'm going to, for now on, I'm calling him Garrett. I ain't going nowhere green. Cause he was like, <laughs> he's like me, right? Like I pick up the phone in episodes. He doesn't. He's not picking up the phone for any other university. He's staying in Morgantown. He already announced it, said, I don't care. I'm sure Toothman Ford threw him another, you know, truck or whatever they do, which is great. I'm not, you know, no, <laughs> no problem there for me. I love that they're doing that because that keeps kids like Garrett in Morgantown. Uh, loyal to the program, obviously loyal to Neil Brown. I think if Neil Brown would have been gone, he wouldn't have been here. I will say that. Yeah, possibility uh, for sure. Great, great game by him. You're right. He was the guy who everybody looked at as going to be the worst quarterback in the Big 12. Brandon, he finished, according to PFF as the seventh high, a seventh highest graded quarterback in the entire NCAA <laughs> division yeah. one, not, not the big 12, not the big 12 yeah. overall, but we want to pretend like all of this, you know, all these people in media know exactly what they're talking. They have no idea what they're talking about. They're guessing. Everybody's guessing. Yeah. You look at the team. I mean, to be guess. fair, that's what this was. No one, no one even had an idea that Garrett was as good as he was going to no, be. I mean, he can no. definitely get better for sure. But oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're talking like six games in, he had a little come out party at Houston, which was a loss again, but it was the first game where he got healthy and mm-hmm. he really was able to open up the playbook and kind of do some things. And obviously Houston, not the best defense, but he can just continue to keep doing that every week uh, outside of Oklahoma, which was just overall um, botched job, I guess you would call it. Yeah. But yeah, I, I don't know. I think that rightfully so, he was, you know, definitely the most improved player of the year uh, for me as far as expectations versus what, what came about. And just even from a few games in, I mean, he's still missing some of those easy passes that we talk about. Um, he definitely has some some footwork things that he needs to work on. But you can't tell me that there's somebody continuously – throwing the ball the deep ball better than him i mean he's putting it in tight windows uh his one interception was was a 
in the end zone for, was going to Jalen Anderson, which we talked about at the Houston game, was a perfectly thrown ball. He couldn't have put the ball any any like better spot, and you know, obviously, it turned out to be an interception because Jalen Anderson um, tipped it. But but yeah, I mean, the guy just he's he's great downfield. He's got a, an off season. He's definitely got to work on the the layup throws and things like that. But it, this guy has definitely um come into his own and is going to be a name next year I, I would imagine yeah i mean look at the plays that he made against baylor you're right though we've talked about it i think every single week his footwork is still not good uh, i think that's the best way to categorize it as right now and that's just because he i mean he's a mobile quarterback and i think it, when you see him have time he he goes through his reads he looks great but i think when he gets just a little bit of pressure he kind of just kind of turns it up and he needs to just calm yeah. down and he'll he'll get there and he is getting there you don't you don't get graded that high by pff you know for no reason so great for him he's he had a great game he's had a great season he has also the big thing that no one talks about with him is yeah maybe he's missed some throws yeah, maybe he's taken off running whenever he, you know, should have handed the ball off or uh even just thrown the ball away. But he's not what I would call a turnover machine. The guy doesn't turn no. the ball over. And that's what you no, want in your quarterback in especially in an offense like ours because we set we're set up as a spread offense, but really in all honesty, our quarterback has to be somewhat of a game manager. Garrett can do that, but he also can take control of the game and that's rare to see with a guy like him. So I have nothing but confidence in him moving forward. Another guy that mm-hmm. I've got plenty of comp- confidence in moving forward is, I'm going to call him this for now on. I think this whole podcast, me and you should never call him Jaheim again. It's Jahim White, 17 yes. carries, 133 yards. That's seven yards per carry average. Incredible. The guy is electric on the field i don't care how many trucks you got to give him toothman ford keep him in morgantown we don't need him going anywhere (laughs) else uh, because i'm sure there's going to be schools calling and offering him plenty of money but that kid he's i don't know if if you'll be on the same page here brandon he's the lead back in my opinion i I love cj i think he's a great back he's not he's not to him i think that retaining both of them is extremely ideal just for sure. the change of pace, you know, you've talked about that before as well. But I think that they're a great one-two punch. And when Jahim's being, or Jahim rather, sorry, I already need to correct Jahim. myself. Jahim is being, yeah, Jahim's. <laughs> when Jahim's being effective, I I think that he needs uh, a good change of pace with CJ, who can just oh, yeah. run over people. Which Jahim can also mm-hmm. run over people, but he's more of a, a scat back. I would I would say. Yeah, and he's just not as big. So I mean, yeah, he can he can run him over, no doubt. But I just think CJ can just lay it into him. You give you give CJ the ball within I don't know fifteen yards of the end zone, and that's scary. You give yeah you give White the ball within one hundred yards of the end zone, and that's scary. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's true. just it it's a great one two punch. We should keep them both, but I honestly I would not blame CJ for moving on if that's what he wants to do i would love him to be in morgantown i'm not calling for him to not be in morgantown i just think the offense is going to now move towards white i I think is really and it doesn't mean that we can't go two back or anything like that but i think that white's going to be the guy moving forward in the backfield 
Yeah, I'll tell you another guy who really stepped up this year is Hudson Clement. And this is a guy who every single week when when we have to make these one, two-minute drives, no timeouts or very limited time, this guy just comes out of nowhere, catches everything, is a hard tackle, and this week he showed it again. He went f- four catches for 80 yards. And I think, what, two decent. or three of those were in that final minute drive? Yeah, he showed up late, man. And I, I, I got to be honest with you. When I see Hudson Clement on the field, I'm not, like, overly impressed, right? Like, I'm not, like, one of those guys who's like, man, he's just such an athletic freak, right? But, my God, that kid runs his routes correctly. He gives Garrett time, which is something that you don't see from guys that, guys like Hudson. Like, he understands exactly what he's going to be in that offense. He knows how to break down a zone, which is impressive. That's why you see when his routes go across the middle I don't think that's always the plan. I think that he's essentially reading the zone and getting there and Garrett's looking yeah. for him to move, which is working out for them. But four, four for 80 is fantastic coming from him, especially when he's been banged up and we haven't seen him as much. Yeah. I'll let you go for the next guy. I know since we're talking about wide receivers, there's a guy that you, <laughs> this, this would love is, to talk to him. <laughs> this is my boy on this team. I'm going to call him Preston. 7-Eleven Fox, because he's always open. Three <laughs> for 51, and honestly, could have been plenty more. There was that catch where I, I, I was really worried about him getting hurt. I think he got, like, drilled in the back. Got up, though, which, fantastic to see, because he's, you know, arguably our most important player behind Garrett. Uh, but he's just the guy that Garrett trusts. You see it, like... The tight window throws that you were talking about with Garrett, those are going to Preston. Like, that's who he's looking for. There's a reason for that. It's because when you throw those tight windows, you need to have a sure-handed receiver so you don't get picked. And Preston's that guy for him. And I'm I'm still obviously very impressed by Preston. I would, I've started to think about this, Brandon. I would like to see Preston not be the return man on punts anymore. I think he's just too, he's too important to the offense. Yeah, that, and I don't, he doesn't strike me as, I think the reason they're doing it is because they have, they've had so much trouble. WVU, historically, has just had a lot of trouble um, back all the way to early 2010, 2012 years of people just not being able to field punts. Uh, I think Tavon was probably the last person that was good at fielding punts where they didn't change like four times in the season for somebody muffing a punt or dropping a punt or something like that. And I think that they've just kind of let him stay in there because he doesn't drop the ball. Like, he always catches it. Yeah. And, but I yeah. just don't see that he has, like, the shiftiness or or the ability to read, to find the, the hole to really, like, take off. I mean, he's good for on punts. Like, I think that he can make one guy miss and maybe get 10 or 15 yards. But I don't think he has the take it to the house explosiveness that you'd like to see back there. But definitely uh, – as far as the offense goes, he is definitely one of the most consistent players that we have. I'd like to see I'd like to see Gallagher be the guy who returns the ball. Or if they yeah. keep if if they keep Fox back there, just bring heat every time on a punt and expect a fair catch. Because look at the majority of the returns this year for WVU. The solid majority, and for most teams to be honest, but the solid majority for WVU on punt returns are fair catches. Yeah. That's it. So bring heat. That's all you Put put ten up 
and just tell Preston, like, you're not returning these. You're ju- just catch the ball. That's all we care about because we're trying to block it every time. I think that, yeah, to I be think fair, you'll start if we went with that strategy, that we probably had at least one more win this year. So if we had that strategy going 100%, and I, I think that that's something that they're going to do, but I don't know, obviously, what the plans are, but I think Gallagher could be a guy that they put back there. I think he's, I mean, Unfortunately, we haven't been able to see if he can catch or not because they don't throw him the ball. They just hand it to him. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I think he still plays receiver if unless they've changed his position. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like moving on, back. the next, uh, the, the last guy we'll talk about on offense is someone that everybody, again, had pretty high hopes for. He kind of delivered. There's He was in and out, I think. Um but Cole Taylor is four for 64, which is huge. Uh, I think that he had the leading number of targets. If I remember we don't have the stat in front of me, but if I remember right, I think he had the most targets. Um, and you, Baylor right. was also giving up. He was getting Baylor was giving up a lot of yards to tight ends going for going into that game. So I think that was probably the game plan, but yeah, okay. I, I, I'm impressed with Cole. I'm glad that he has another year. I think that he can be really good and, um, I know he had kind of a little bit of an injury scare early in the season. I think that maybe that, that could have been a possibility of, of why the production was kind of eh there in the middle of the year. But, but yeah, I think, um, I'm pretty excited about having him come back and he's already also announced that he's coming back out as well in some capacity. He didn't directly be like, I'm not going anywhere, but I don't, I think he would need a waiver to leave at this point. But yeah, he, uh, made a made a comment on Twitter or Facebook or something that he was excited for next year. So I am also excited for that. <laughs> yeah, he's I mean he's a good player. I would in all honesty though I would like to see Neil and the offense develop a a block heavy tight end. I don't like how mm-hmm. much I don't like how much Cole is on the field. One, I don't think he's a great blocker, but two I just think it creates risk of injury. It also wears them out. Like if you see some of these drops that he has, go back and look at how many plays he's been on the field consecutively when he has those drops. It, he just mm-hmm. is on the field a lot for a big guy. I'd like to see a, a more of a two or three tight end rotation. Get a guy in there that can block. Get a guy that focuses on that. Not every tight end has to be a receiving tight end. Let Cole Taylor be your guy, but get somebody in there that's going to be your solid blocker who you're going to be able to use to create some type of a strong formation power, whatever you want to do and give Cole some time on the sideline where you don't obviously have to take him out and put a smaller wide receiver in, get a rotation going. And I think they'll probably do that, but I would have liked to have seen that more in this offense. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I definitely think they're going to figure out ways to get some other guys in there. I mean, with him being his final year, they're going to want him to be, uh, to have some solid production, but they're also going to need to look towards the future of getting the um, Traylon Davises and and guys like that more involved in both the passing and blocking. Traylon Davis is a heck of a blocker. He, he can so. block, dude. He that kid, and I I think I shouted him out on I don't know if it was the Baylor game or the game before that, but there was there was a a rush at the goal line, and I want to say it was CJ that got in. And obviously CJ's going to get the credit because he's the ball carrier. You go back and you watch. He doesn't get in the end zone without that block. That that kid can yeah. block really well. I'm sure he can catch the ball, but I would love to see him on the field more. Yep, for sure. No, he's uh, 
he's definitely someone that will will look to to, to be to have more snaps. I mm-hmm. would imagine next year. Uh, anything else about offense yep. from from Baylor? No, I think we got to go to defense now. Yep. Well, I'll go ahead with uh with our first guy up on our stats here. We had Ben. Doesn't need a nickname because his last name is cool. <laughs> Cutter. Cutter. <laughs> <laughs> he had ten t- uh ten tackles. Uh, and I mean, as a freshman, it, it's it's really great to see. It, he's somebody that uh, I was following his recruitment as far as when he. WVU offered him and and all of that. And it was somebody I was really excited about in this class, but I never imagined he would be playing this year, major minutes mm-hmm. at least. And he got thrown into uh, thrown into the game. Essentially, we were really light there, and he's he's really produced. So that's that's awesome to have him. Hopefully, he's coming back. Obviously, you know we're recording this prior to the transfer portal officially opening, and that's just going to be a nightmare of a of next week or so. But yeah, the, I think that Ben is somebody who's really going to produce for us on defense. I don't see him leaving. I, I he's too important. Like if you're a if, or if you're a linebacker and you're getting the majority of snaps as a freshman, I mean there's no one that's going to take that job from him right now. That's his job. I also think in all honesty the way that the defense is set up, although I think the scheme is terrible, the way that the defense is set up, though, it allows the linebackers to have a lot of play. It allows them to mm-hmm. essentially do more of what they specialize in. Ben is all over the field. He's not going to be able to do that at other universities, and I think that's going to hinder his ability to maybe one day you know, play on Sundays. So I think he's going to stay at WVU. I think, though, he, he probably has to get a little bit bigger. I think he's six foot, like 220. He's probably going to get a little bit bigger because uh, I'm, I'm going to assume that they're going to move him around more and probably mm-hmm. bring pressure. Now, obviously he doesn't need to get too big cause he still has to remain, you know, to be able to get yeah. all over the field, but I think he's got to get a little bit more size on him. Uh, but man, that dude, he's just everywhere. He's the guy, he's your workhorse and he's the guy who's going to be, uh, I would assume is going to be the captain on that defense moving forward. Uh, and is going to be the guy that they all look at. And honestly, if he keeps going the way he is, He's probably gonna play on Sundays sometime. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He's that good. I mean, he, he really is. He's good. Yeah, he might uh, fill into uh, a West Virginia familiar name of like a Quitakowski kind of. Um, That's who he reminds almost. me of. Yeah, I mean, that that he's not as big. If I if I remember. When he was at WVU, he was a little bit bigger. And that's what I'm saying. I think Ben could get a little bit bigger. But the way that they each play, like they're they're ball hawks. Like they're they're not gonna mm-hmm. go up obviously and pick it, but they're gonna find the ball and attack. Like that's what they do. That's what Cutter does. He does it well. And he's honestly, he's what the defense has to have right now at WVU, because we don't have guys that are very good at this. Yeah, no. Um I definitely think that that going forward, I think that especially because we're losing Lee Koba, he's definitely going to be right. yeah. uh, a, a major a major participant next year on defense. Obviously, we also don't know yeah. exactly what's going on with defense. Uh, you know, we've touched on this before, but Jordan Leslie is not a fan favorite, and I think there are going to be some staffing changes. We don't know exactly what's happening yet. Um, probably won't really know until the end of the year. I would imagine when contracts are up, but you know, 
the scheme could change, but I don't think that he's going anywhere. I think that he's a very important piece right now. Ben Cutter, not Jordan Leslie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, clear, exactly. Right? Sorry. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> you're good. You're good. Uh, one last guy I want to highlight on the defense. This is a guy who we've given uh, some crap to at the beginning of the season because we just expected more. He's come on as of late. He showed up against Baylor. Uh, it's Aubrey. Glad you finally arrived, Burks. This is <laughs> six total tackles, including a big sack. The sack that he had came at a great time, and it was exactly what the defense needed. He, This is what we expected from him. Now, he's still not great when a ball carrier gets up the field, and he also gets lost in coverage a lot. Like There was a couple tight end uh, looks across the middle where he just gets totally lost, like gets burned off the ball. I don't understand what happens there, but it's some type of misread on his part. But he, you, you can't knock him for his ability to tackle right now. He's He's doing the things that he's supposed to, which we didn't see at the beginning of the year. Uh, so, I mean, I, I like what I see. I think he still has to get better in coverage, obviously. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I, th- I think he's getting there. No, for sure. I mean, I think, from my understanding, the coaches have evaluated him as somebody who can get to the next level. I think that there's still just some development there. Uh, I've I've been pretty openly skeptical of Aubrey Burks and... I uh, continue to do so. I think that he's he definitely came back from the injury, had a couple of rough games, and then the last few he's he's definitely started to look like the player everyone says he is. But I think we still have we need to see a full season out of out of him playing, you know, like he is and better. Totally agree. Let's go on to the last part of this <laughs> team. Uh, it's the team, or it's the part that we gotta complain about right here. I didn't have a lot of complaints everywhere else. I had plenty here, and that's special teams. Uh, first off, I'm going to call him Michael. Uh, please kick a touchback, Hayes, because <laughs> I don't know if it's by design or not, but, man, he has got to boot the ball through the end zone. We're not good enough on coverage to allow them to bring the ball out at the 15- to 20-yard line. We just can't do that. He has to get better at kicking the long ball, or he ha- we got to get somebody else in there. The problem that the special teams has is, honestly, it's just like toxic. It's not going anywhere right now, which is going to lead me to the one guy. This is going to break my rule of not hoping people get fired. There's one guy that I think has to be let go. Yeah. Can you name him? Uh, I'll let you do it. (laughs) Jeff Coons. My God. Why are you the special teams coordinator? You have been terrible for four years years four years you've been bad let's go over i've got to point this out i've they call it the coons file which i think is the dumbest thing but it's on (laughs) wv's website so that's what i'm calling it look he's got he's got some good education you know bachelor's from auburn master's from texas unfortunately neither of those universities taught him how to coach special teams Uh, part of the other problem becomes that he's only coached special teams Twice in his entire career, according to WVU's own website, he ta- he coached it once for one season, Brandon. Nice. And that was at Iowa State, and we hadn't even graduated high school yet. 2007-2008. Wow. Then, everybody's like, man, this guy really sucks at special teams. So from 2009, when he got 
when he moved on, I'm assuming he got canned. I'll have to look it up. <laughs> 2009 to 2019, they didn't let him coach special teams. He coached linebackers, and he was a co-defensive coordinator. Now, for some reason, we think that it's a good idea to put make him special teams coordinator uh, when I don't think he knows who's kicking the ball off. And I mean that by what team is on each side of the field. I don't. <laughs> he is that lost. It's it's atrocious. Yeah, I can't say anything nice about it. Yeah, I mean, I think that we've had a, a lot, not just this game, but there's been a lot of close calls. We had one run back on us, the Houston game, which we ended up losing. Uh, we had two run back on this one where we all, you know, outside the minute drive, we were losing that game. I mean, I think every every uh, person on Twitter and social media had already deemed us losers of the Baylor game. So special teams definitely... Definitely something needs to change there. There's not a whole lot of positive to talk about for the, for the whole season, let alone this game. And I think that uh, I think that you're correct. I think that the that Coons is probably somebody who's going to get reorged or he's going to get uh, get the boot. But but yeah, well, other than that, uh, we had last thing I got to point yeah, out, go Brandon, real quick in the lone year that he gets to coach special teams in Iowa State. Let's just look at this real quick, pal. This is so bad. They go 3-9 hmm. that season. 2-6 mm-hmm. and six in the conference. Now, Iowa State, if you remember after this, they start to like kind of pick it up. They're, you know, they start to get better. But in 1-2-3. I mean, in a ton of kick returns, they don't score a single touchdown. Their defense, which he's the linebackers coach, consistently ranks at the bottom there. They only average, uh, let's see, 6.9 yards on a return that season, and their kicker even sucked. (laughs) <laughs> but tell me again how this guy should be the special teams coordinator at WVU when he's literally proven nothing. Sorry, uh, I'll, I'll jump off this soapbox, but he's a guy he has to go. It's the only guy that I'm like slamming my fist on the desk and saying like he needs to go. Even Jordan Leslie's not there for me yet, but but he yeah. is. Yeah, no, it totally, totally makes sense. There's definitely got to be a change in some way. And get somebody more proven. Maybe you should get the uh, Neil knows the guy from from Baylor, the the analyst. Maybe we get him to come over here and show us how to run back and and block on kickoffs. <laughs> we'll see. Right. I mean, get somebody. I don't care who. Go go find a high school coach that's good at it. I don't really care. But it's it's not him. It, and I don't know if it's because of preparation or what it is. Because obviously we're not there. But it's just not working. I have the perfect guy, actually. I was just thinking about, um, you know, back. Let's let's just go look at past Mountaineers who maybe has some experience in the special teams realm. Tim Lindsay, obviously, be the Dude. great guy. Neil Brown, <laughs> we can get you a guy right now who just happened to be part for actually what some people would say the biggest part of a fake punt that sealed a win against a team that right now your university, your program probably couldn't 
get close to, and that's over Georgia. And some say he's still running. So he could run all the way to your special teams room and get them into shape. Because (laughs) if you go back, Neil, if you're, I know you're listening, Neil, go look that highlight up. And look, I know that you're going to think this, Neil. Phil Brady is the best Brady of anyone. Yes. Uh, named Brady. <laughs> He's the most athletic. But I want you to look for the second most athletic guy on that field. And that's the dude snapping the ball. Because if they would have given mm-hmm. him the ball, he'd have scored the touchdown twice. He was running 65 miles an hour. It's clocked. Look it up. <laughs> And I mean, he's the guy, Brandon, you're right. And, and Brandon has his phone number coach. You just call Brandon up. He'll give you the number. He'll, he'll even tell you where he lives and you just knock and give him a great deal. Yeah, it's great. He would probably essentially work for free at this point. So (laughs) I think he would have to hire us as assistants though. That would be the only way I think it would work. Yeah. Well, that's the only way we're giving up that phone number. (laughs) exactly yeah sorry sorry coach my phone's dead so uh coach neil you hire uh coach Lindsay. coach Lindsay hires us and we have the number one special teams in the country some say the world or till the end of the world yeah yeah it's it's proven actually yep all right well we just solved that problem Easy peasy. Uh, anything else about Baylor specifically? Uh, we're mo- we're we're moving on from Baylor. We're moving to the bowl game. I love That's it. how I feel. I, I'm doing the Bill Belichick. We're on to the bowl game. <laughs> we're on to the bowl game. Well, to recap the season, uh, eight and four, which we already touched on. Yep, broke everybody's expectations. Vegas, uh, Kirk Herb Street, everybody. Broke his and, uh, and tied, his wallet. Tied for fourth in the Big 12. Yeah, we don't know the details, but there's got to be something there. Um, But yeah, tied for fourth in the Big 12, which, again, supposed to be 14th. Tied for fourth. Um, Some said that Neil was uh in, in the running for coach of the year. I know people who listen probably don't completely agree with that, but improving 10 spots from beginning of season to the where you finish getting a bowl game pretty big deal gundy ended up winning it just because he is uh improved i think five or six spots from the initial rankings and also made the big 12 title and going into even like what was it game four game five if they were looking at looked at being one of the worst teams in the big 12 now they're playing texas and i think they're still looking like one of the worst teams in the big 12 but I think uh, they're down 42 to 14 a pretty good coaching job. Obviously. Yeah. As we speak, uh, Gundy did a good job. So I, I agree. I think Gundy was, was a good pick for that. I hate it. I think Neil Brown was the, was the coach of the year. And I'm not trying to be a Homer because pl- trust me, there were plenty of times where I was like, you know, I, I was not on the, the Neil bandwagon at times, but Oklahoma state is the team. Like, yeah, I get it where they were during like four games in people were like, man, I can't believe this is Oklahoma state. But then look at the end of the season though, Brandon, no one's going, wow, I can't believe Oklahoma state's here. 
No one's doing that because Oklahoma State, it's a yeah. program that's had this had this happen before. Mike Gundy's a coach that's done this before. I get it. Neil Brown, everyone, look up any any article about WVU right now, and they're all titled, We Don't Know How They Got Here. <laughs> so, in my opinion, Neil Brown is the coach of the year easily because Oklahoma State, you look at them and you look at the talent on that on that team at the beginning of the year, even towards the middle of the year, you're like, okay, that team could easily turn it around. No one said that about WVU. No one. Yeah. No, I, so, I agree. I, I think... Uh, hang the banner. That's I, what I'm saying. Hang the banner. Yeah, hang the banner. I think give, give, them, give them the award for the office. I want to see the... And they lost the forty-five of Neil to three against UCF. They lost forty-five <laughs> to three at UCF, and that was in November. That's true. So yeah, no, I'm not on the Mike Gundy train there. Yeah, yeah, and they I, lost I to know. South I mean, Alabama. I, I think, yeah, that's. I mean, that's where Sick everyone thought it. they were just going to be the worst team ever. Well, they lost to yeah he. UCF. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I think the Neo definitely had a had a case. I don't I don't doubt that at all. But I, should have been I think it's attorney. probably Yeah, for sure. You would have won. We'd have won that case. I th- I think that what it came down to is just Gundy having uh, a history in the Big 12 and he he's consistently doing this kind of thing where his team you can never count him out, which I told uh the listeners I think you know back when we were previewing Oklahoma State actually. This is just Gundy. You can't ever you can't count him out. And then he looked really bad against UCF, and now he's still in the Big Twelve title game. So don't ever count him out. I think that's the moral of that story. He's physically there. His team didn't really show <laughs> up, but he's there. Yeah. I've seen him on the sideline. But they are getting annihilated right now. Let's see. Did just a quick update because I want to make sure that we've got this down. Uh, it does not appear that Arch Manning. Oh my God! Texas scored again. <laughs> <laughs> it's forty-eight to fourteen right now. Arch Manning should be coming into this game pretty soon, so that'll be exciting, I guess. That's really. I mean, this is going to work out for us, I believe. I think this. Uh, I talked don't, to you about this. Don't spoil line, it but... yet. Don't spoil it yet. Don't okay, tell him. Right, don't tell right. him your bowl projection. Right. We're gonna get there, pal. We're gonna get there. <sighs> But but I feel like it's kind of changing pocket. looking at the outcome of this game. It's kind of changing. All right, well, let's bump it up. Let's bump it up right now. Bump it up? Bump it. Yeah, bump it. Bump it straight up here. Let's go. Brandon, give us your thoughts. What's it going to do for us? Well, I think that Texas making a statement in this game really helps out. Obviously, there's a lot of play to still happen today with conference championships that can really change everything. But I think that it gives them a chance to get into the the CFP, which increases our odds of playing in a better bowl game. And I think that wholeheartedly, I hope that they just get the wheels blown off or the doors blown off, whatever you want to call it, as soon as they get to the CFP. But I need them to get there so that way WVU can get into a better bowl game. That's fair. That is fair. My issue is I'm not convinced that Texas is going to get in anyway. Because the, let's face it, we we said this for a while now and it's, it is true. The Big Ten bias is insane. 
It's yeah. That that conference isn't that good. They have two good teams. Iowa is in their championship. Iowa. Yeah, I mean that's just a bogus thing because they have divisions. Well, I get that. I, I get that. But the fact that Iowa can continue to score seven points and win should show you the value of at least half of that conference. Not great. But I, I think that Ohio State is going to get in before Texas if Florida State loses. Because I think what my projection would be Assuming that everybody else wins that's supposed to win, Georgia wins, Michigan wins, Washington already won, spoiler alert, I I think Ohio State would probably take that fourth seed when it comes to the I don't know. playoff committee. I just don't trust the committee. I don't trust the committee, to be honest. I, I just don't trust Ohio State. I I think that <laughs> the one well, time they played that. a quality yeah. team this, this year, they they got beat against their biggest rival. I, I just, I'm I'm not completely sold on Ohio state. And I don't think anyone else is either. I think Texas that Texas will... showing out and I mean, it's impossible in my mind. It's impossible that Ohio state gets to play no bowl or no, um, conference championship. And then they move up. I think, I, th- I think that that would just be dumb when you have a team like Texas who I hate them, but shows that they're the dominant force in the big 12. And I there agree. should be a team from the Big Twelve in in the CFP. Totally. I think that's just the way it should be. So totally agree. I don't see I don't see any reason why we should be doubling up on SEC teams or Big Ten teams or whatever. We can easily have one of each team from from the you know, ACC is not looking super promising right now because Florida State doesn't have a I don't know their their best player essentially so. I, they're probably going to lose, and then you have one of each from the Big Ten, the Pac-12, SEC, and the Big and the the Big Twelve. And I just think that that just makes the most sense. I think that the CFP committee system that they're using is extremely flawed if they decide to put Ohio State in there. If everything stays as it is, I don't know how you reward a team who doesn't get to play a game by increasing their their rank. That doesn't make any sense. The problem is that the college football playoff committee is, well, there's just no check on them. Uh, that, that's that's part of my issue with them. Now, I will say the one thing that worries me about a Big 12 team getting in, and this will be interesting if this happens, there's no way that Georgia doesn't get in. If Georgia loses tonight, they're still getting in. I'm calling that now. There's no way that they're not getting in. They may go from one to four, but they're getting in. It will be interesting, though, if Alabama beats Georgia. Obviously, they'd be the number one team in the country. The College Football Playoff Committee will then have to compare Texas to Alabama. Texas has beaten Alabama, but Texas does not have a win at, you know, that Georgia win. So it will be interesting to see what they choose there. I think that they're going to slight Texas there, give it to Bama if they win. And we're going to see Georgia and Bama uh, in probably the, well, probably the second game because they'll probably be 2-3. Yeah, I I get what you're saying. I just don't see it happening. I don't think Alabama is anywhere close to the team that they're ranked as right now. So 
I agree. Georgia, I, I think they're. They I don't think Georgia is as good as they, they are either. It. But yeah, I'm not super well, convinced they're, they're with good. Georgia this year they're either. They're good, but they're def- they're definitely yeah, good. I mean, but they're good. I mean, Carson Beck, the quarterback there, has been playing out of his mind. But he also has every weapon that he you know that you could give him. Anyway, yeah. the, that that's our take there. Let's get back onto WVU though. Uh, the one thing that you were talking about was obviously if Texas gets in, it benefits us because it it kind of pushes us up in terms of the bowl selections because Texas will be taking a CFP spot. So that being mm-hmm. said, Brandon, do you have a projection on what the bowl game would be for WVU? What's your yeah, take? I think, Where do you think that this happens? I think most likely looking at the options for big 12 teams, I think that most likely and this is just speculation and my opinion. Well, yeah. yeah. I think most likely we're going to be on, in an East Coast Bowl. And okay. I, my my original thought was possibly Armed Forces Bowl. But I, I think with the way the Texas game is going, uh, I'm just going to bump us up to like Liberty Bowl, I think, in Memphis. Okay. And I think that that's probably our our most likely our most likely chance of of staying on the East coast, I think is probably the Liberty bowl. Otherwise, if, if they, I would say my two, I'll just get my top two here. I think Liberty bowl is number one. I think it's because of demographic. I think that just makes the most sense. But, mm-hmm. uh, the other one I believe would be the, the tax X bowl, tax act bowl in Texas. Okay. I like both those. Uh, here's my projection and it has less to do with football and more to do what I want. Uh, <laughs> and that is, WVU, based off my opinion, fact, uh, write it down, pro- circle it. This is what's going to happen. Probably not, but here's here it is. WVU is going to go to the Pop-Tarts Bowl, and I have two reasons for that. One, WVU loves Orlando. They love Florida. Yep. Love to travel there. WVU travels well to two places, Florida and Myrtle Beach, both solid. That being said, there's also another reason I think this is going to happen. The game that's going to be played on December 28th, Brandon, in Orlando, like I mentioned, will feature this drum roll, please. Will feature <laughs> the first edible mascot. Okay. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Are this you is kidding the most me? WVU thing. <laughs> this is the most WVU thing that I've ever wanted in my entire life because Here's the crazy part. The winner of the matchup will revel in the celebration by eating a very large Pop-Tart. <laughs> very large toaster treat, as otherwise put. There's no word yet, Brandon, on what the flavor will actually be. This I mean, is, it's, it's in my opinion... I'm just going to write it down. This is in my opinion the Super Bowl of bowl games based <laughs> off the facts that I've presented here today. Yeah, I mean, I think that of the teams that are in line, potentially, because essentially we will be competing for those for that particular bowl game with Iowa State and Kansas State, I think would be the other selections in, in, in order. And I think that 
we're the most likely to have the best travel. I would I would imagine of those of, oh, yeah. of the three teams. You have people who have to come uh, essentially a, across over half of the country to get there. Obviously, Orlando is a good destination because of Disney World and Universal and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm with you. I, I really hope that it's the Pop Tarts Bowl, but I think that we'll get snubbed and probably end up with like Liberty or Tax Act or something like that. They they would love to make us travel and then be like, well, West Virginia fans don't want to go to Texas. And it's like, yeah, you're right, because kind of boring. <laughs> so do you know what? Do you know what is crazy yeah. though, Brandon? You know it's crazy. So speaking on this bowl game that we're definitely going to, the Pop Tots Bowl in Orlando, Florida, where they'll be the first ever edible mascot. The crazy thing is, it is a I believe is it Pac twelve, Big Twelve, is that what it's what those are? Yeah, I think it is. But the crazier thing is, there's a third option there. Do you know who that option is? Oh, there's no. only 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 three types of things that have been played, okay, in this ty- in this bowl game, because it used to be the blockbuster bowl too. The and cheddars, or ch- 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 cheddars, the cheese its bowl. Cheese its bowl. Yep. It's uh. Yeah, because it is historically the. I think it's actually the ACC. ACC Big Twelve. Sorry, I misspoke. Not pick. Not Pac Twelve. ACC, yeah, ACC. Uh, Big 12, but there's one other team that has been featured, and it makes sense for this, and will be categorized as it, but it's Notre Dame. Like, that's the, the only, only th- <laughs> when Notre Dame was independent, like uh, they were also the bowl, the team that got to go to this bowl. So I would love, and I'm calling it now, Brandon, Notre Dame, WVU, back to Florida, rematch. Winner takes home the 1988 <laughs> National Championship trophy. <laughs> I think it only makes sense, actually. Now, so, now that you bring that up. Hang the banner in 88. That's all I'm saying. Yep. No, I would love that. Because I have a feeling that <laughs> their starting quarterback probably won't be playing in that game. So That's true. I also want to be able to wear my shirt that I have, which it just is a WVU shirt. And it says, not all Catholics root for Notre Dame. Go WVU. <laughs> want to be able to okay. make sure I've got that that freshly pressed for that Pop-Tarts game that will feature the first edible mascot in Orlando, Florida. Which we'll be at. The, that game. WVU it. will be. So, you're welcome. Yeah, and so will we. But anyways. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the final segment where we're going to talk about some made-up awards that are extremely official. Not made um, up. Official. for our yeah official uh, for for the for the podcast here. So these are all nearsighted awards. We came up with the names of these. They're um, super unique and creative. So <laughs> let's start with the offense. What do we got first here? Oh, let's start out. Let, let's start out as the newcomer. Okay, our freshman standout, and I know some of you are asking, could it be, could it be Jahim? It is Jahim White. Don't call him Jahim, Jahim White, because he is him. Got to be the freshman standout this year. So he's getting it, it without a doubt. I, I can't name another freshman 
in the Big 12 who's been as important at least the last six games of the season. Yeah, I mean, he made also the made the uh, the true freshman All-American as a running back, the team. I know. So Incredible. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah. Easy pick there. No. Oh, easy pick. Yeah, that was that was super easy. That's like not even No brainer. Not even a surprise. But you know what is a pleasant surprise? And that's our next award. Oh, the pleasant surprise. Yeah. Hudson Clement came out of nowhere. Oh my god. Came out of nowhere. Out of Obviously West people in West Virginia knew Yeah, I was say people in West Virginia knew who he was. He scored like forty seven touchdowns in the championship game in high school, but yeah, uh, Hudson Clement, he's still he was uh, a walk-on and a scout player. And then all of a sudden, one game, they were just like, hey, let's let's throw this guy in here. And then he goes off and has 180 yards against Duquesne, which is, is what it is. But it's still, he, he continued to produce the rest of the season. They put him on scholarship. This is definitely the biggest pleasant surprise on offense of this year. Kid's incredible. I mean, just the, he could have quit. I mean, to be, he could have been like, look, I'm not going to go to WV as a walk on. I, you know, I scored enough points. I'll go to play D2, you know, but didn't. Sure. Came to WVU to prove himself, did. And now, in all honesty, has a very bright future in this program. Uh, so, yeah, mm-hmm. obviously, and without a doubt, the pleasant surprise of the year. Let's go on to our third award, Brandon. And this is the guy, he could get every award. If we're being honest here, except for freshman, because he's not one, but he could get anything. And not pleasant surprise either, but yeah. Nope. Pleasant surprise. He's a pleasant surprise every time he walks on the field. And that is Zach Frazier. The guy is the most selfless Mountaineer. That's the award, the selfless Mountaineer award. Zach Frazier. Brandon, I will tell, I mean, well, I won't, I won't have any kids, but when you have kids, I will tell your kids <laughs> about the day that Zach Frazier broke his leg, didn't want his team to have to take a timeout or have a runoff because of the injury, bear-clawed with two hands and one foot while his other completely broken left leg is stretched all the way out, and this dude got off the field galloping like a one-legged horse it was so majestic and (laughs) i think it's quite fitting that he is the most selfless mountaineer and to be honest to have that like wherewithal to know that that's what's happening at that time period he could have easily laid down and forced him to take the time out or take a 10 second run off or whatever Mm -hmm. that didn't happen obviously dude was like i gotta get off the field i'm not gonna leave my team out you know uh on a stretcher for i guess a lack of a better term and I mean, there's nothing bad you can say about this guy, and I can't wait for him to be a Cincinnati Bengal. I'm calling it now. <laughs> Not to mention the fact the play it happened on, he literally picked up Hudson Clement and ran him down the field. Incredible. <laughs> Incredible. It's yeah. like he wasn't the ball carrier, I, but he was the ball carrier carrier. Right. He literally <laughs> carried the ball carriers carrying the ball. Incredible. Uh <laughs> He, that's the only word I can use for it. I've said it three times. It is incredible. Zach Frazier will be at the top of every team's draft list when it comes to interior offensive line, and they will play that on repeat, showing the how tough that dude is. He will be, I, I'm going to say it, he's going to be a second round pick. I think so. 
Had he not gotten yeah. hurt, I would have put him in the first round. Had he not gotten hurt, I would have put him in the first round. Second round pick. Um, I hope that he really likes Cincinnati chili because he's going to have to get used to it uh, <laughs> as he will be a Cincinnati Bengal uh, come next year. I still think that there's a, I mean, they haven't really said he's not playing in our bowl game, but the, the potential to bowl, to play in the senior bowl might still be on the table. I don't know. Don't know the complete extent of his injury, but no, he already That's had February, surgery and everything. So, right. Yeah. So that February, yeah, I think so. In so January, be, end of January, close. something like that. Yeah, yeah. It'll be close. If he plays, yep. Brandon, if he plays in that senior bowl, first round pick calling it. Yeah, that's what, that's what I was getting at is I think that's going to be the major determination. And there's also going to be some people who look at that and be like, I mean, he got <laughs> he got tackled on his leg by a defensive lineman while he was carrying a ball carrier. Like the dude went four <laughs> years with no injuries. Like I, I wouldn't put him as an injury risk and, and lower his draft stock. Like it was a kind of a, an odd play, probably something he wouldn't ever need to do in the nfl if i was to guess so but yeah, yeah for sure for he's definitely a, a seth round a, a second round. yeah that would be funny <laughs> <laughs> make sure joe doesn't get hurt anymore he's gonna pick him up and run him to the end zone <laughs> well the next award i'm gonna let you actually do the next award i think it's most appropriate that you do it yeah this makes most sense i have been saying this ad nauseum for everyone to hear, this was, I said the first one was a no-brainer, and it was, don't get me wrong, freshman standout, you know, Jahim White. The biggest no-brainer of any award that we will ever give is this one right here. The hardest worker award. And it's not going to Pam Beasley. It's going to <laughs> Preston 7-Eleven Fox. This dude doesn't take plays off. He's exactly the kind of guy that you want on your sideline in the game. You want him to be your player. You want to be his coach because he, look, he may not have every attribute that Marvin Harrison Jr. has, right? No doubt about it. Marvin Harrison Jr., obviously generational. A lot of these guys are generational. He's not a generational talent. But my God, if he doesn't have a generational work ethic on that field. Dude doesn't yep. take plays off, understands what he's supposed to do on the field, doesn't try to do too much, and by that I mean doesn't try to put himself in positions uh, that will make him vulnerable or not be able to make a play, just understands exactly what his role is and always exceeds it on the field. Easy pick here, Preston Fox, hardest worker. Yep, and our final award, which we're going to do these for offense and defense, so the final award for the offense is going to be the dog award. Oh. And I think everybody knows that's watched our offense that the one true dog on offense is Garrett Green. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, G -G. Garrett is yeah, GG. He he's just he I mean he put the offense on his back. He he's exactly what you want in a quarterback. He took control he kept the he he made the statement and and got everybody ready to play every single game. Um, he's just every time we've needed him to to go out and score with less than two minutes or one minute, he just does it. He makes it happen, and he's a game changer. I'm really excited for the future with him, and uh, that's why he definitely deserves this award. 
thousand percent. Dude's a dog. Look, Zach Frazier carries the ball carriers. Garrett Green carries the offense. That's how this works. Uh, glad that guy's on our team. That's all I can say. <laughs> no, for sure. Well, moving on to defense, we're going to do the same awards. So we've got freshman standout, pleasant surprise, selfless mountaineer, hardest worker, and dog. So no. freshman standout, Ben Cutter, without a doubt. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He, mm-hmm. he got he got thrown into the mix. We were low on people. And he just showed up and showed out. I think that, again, somebody that we're really excited about. And his stats speak for himself. The guy was a stud in high school and he's going to be a stud in college. And I think that he showed the maturity of being able to play a major, major time. I mean, he essentially, I think he started every game after Trey Lathan got hurt in TCU. So that would have been game five, game four. And he just never, never missed a beat. So definitely the, the freshman standout in my eyes. Oh Yeah. I mean, Ben, Ben Cutter is the dude. That's what I'm going to call him. Ben, the dude Cutter. <laughs> uh, honestly, my opinion, uh, had Ben Cutter not been a freshman, he might have taken the hardest worker award. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Could have. However, let's go on to the pleasant surprise. I want you to talk about this one because I got to hype up the next two guys. The next two guys I have to hype up. So I want you to hype this dude up. <laughs> Who is the pleasant surprise winner, Brandon? Well, on defense, I think uh, this is like an asterisk next to it, right? Because mm-hmm. my pick is Trey Lathan. I think that he was a very pleasant surprise. He was somebody who we knew about and were looking to definitely have some time with. But he took over and he was a very, very dominant force on defense until he got injured at TCU. So to me, asterisk next to it, because he was injured, didn't play a full season, I believe that he was the pleasant surprise on defense. Yeah. Again, again, could have been Ben Cutter. I'm just going to keep saying that. Yep. Ben, that's yeah, that's yeah. how important <laughs> Ben Cutter is to this team. Yep. Is, totally agree. But anyway... Trey is fantastic. He, I can't wait for him to be back. Uh, this next award. I, I compare this guy. Do you know, Brandon, when... So we were at the St. John's game last night. And mm-hmm. we, obviously, there was a person who sang the national anthem. Okay? Yeah. When they sing the national anthem, Brandon, what are you staring at? The flag. Right. You're focused on the flag. Okay. Now, I'm going to use an analogy here. The defense is the flag. But someone has to be holding that flag, Brandon. Mm-hmm. Somebody has to be the guy holding the flag. Could be could be a thousand people holding it at the Super Bowl. Could just be a guardsman, you know, holding it while they're doing the national anthem. You see the flag as the general picture, but you got to look at the guy holding it. Because the most selfless mountaineer, just like that person, is very selfless to hold the flag while we sing a three-minute song and their arms are probably really tired. <laughs> Mike Lockhart. Mike Lockhart. The most selfless mountaineer on the defensive side of the ball. The dude is a gigantic man. I mean that in the best way possible. As a fellow big person, they don't just call me Big John for nothing, 
as a fellow big person, <laughs> Mike Lockhart, one, makes me look small, and two, you never hear him complain. He's a guy that you're going to see make plays in the NFL. He may not go drafted. I don't know. But there, somebody's going to use him as a nose tackle. He knows how to stuff the run plays. We saw him get a sack here a couple weeks ago, which was yep. incredible to see his big old 336-pound uh, body or however big he is. Big dude. He can stuff the hole. He can move over, allow a linebacker to blitz. The guy knows how to be your nose tackle. You're going to see him on Sundays at least for uh, some point. He's the most selfless Mountaineer by far to me on the defensive side of the ball because you don't hear his name a lot, but you know he's doing the dirty work. Yep. He doesn't show up on the stat sheet a whole bunch, but he mm-hmm. is helping those other guys get home. So I agree. Selfless Mountaineer for sure. Yeah. The uh, the next guy, I got to bring him up. I'm going to leave the last one for you because I know. Yeah, that makes sense. I know you like the, <laughs> I know you like the dog. I know you like the dog. So uh, not that I don't. Not that I don't. He's just not my boy. But one of my boys is the hardest worker on this defense. Again, could have been Ben Cutter. Just going to keep saying it. Could have been Ben Cutter. However, this guy also could have been the pleasant surprise as well, Brandon. Yeah. Beanie Bishop. Now, he came in, if everybody remembers, he transferred in from Minnesota, right? Mm -hmm. Didn't have very much playing time there. Makes the change. Could have obviously went down and, and, you know, not bet on himself to be a starting corner in a Power 5 conference. Didn't do that. Said, I'm going to go to WVU where it's the most pass-happy conference. And I'm just going to start, I don't know, picking everyone off. And making sure that my team gets the ball when, in all honesty, we probably shouldn't have it. Beanie Bishop is the best coverage corner on this team that we've 100%. seen on the field. He is the only guy, and I said this a few weeks ago, and you agreed, he's the only guy on this team that I would put on an island with the other team's best receiver. He's the only guy. Yep. Now, will he will he lose some battles? Sure, every corner will. But Beanie Bishop not only is completely is super quick, turns his hips really well, but the dude also will blow you up when you catch that ball. Yep. I There's no doubt about it. He's the hardest worker on this defense, Brandon. What do you think? No, I totally agree. I mean, I think that that Beanie really was a bright spot on defense, and uh, which was hard to watch at times. He led the nation in, in ball hawking and pass breakups. He had four or five interceptions, many that he should have had interceptions on as well. Uh, some very crucial ta- tackles. I mean, the dude, when he was off the ball, was was on the ball as, as soon as possible. Like, it, if the pass wasn't his way, he was making a tackle. He made some some great uh, downfield tackles, uh, running somebody down. He's he's quick. He's he's definitely a guy that I wish we had more time with. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. I I think that I'm gonna keep saying hundred percent. Uh, I keep, <laughs> keep thinking about Lee. And when I see Lee, I look at that guy and I go, yeah, I wouldn't fight him. I, I, I wouldn't fight anybody on his team. I get my butt kicked, but like for sure him, I look at him like, nah, yeah. that dude, that dude would destroy me in a second. Now you put shoulder pads and a helmet on him. Even scarier. 
that's a guy I don't want to line up across if I'm an offensive lineman. Uh, and I definitely don't want to cut, catch the ball across the middle if he's playing linebacker. So you're right. That's the dog of this defense. Uh, random update for you, Brandon, because I know that some of our listeners obviously live in West Virginia and care about high school football. The Martinsburg Bulldogs, which several of our players went to, just won their 10th state title in 13 years. <laughs> 57 to 13. That's so close. Not close. Not close. <laughs> Uh, they actually won by more points than Texas beat Oklahoma State. Pretty impressive, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yep, Texas final so, was 49-21. Yeah, so uh, Martinsburg, turns out, still good. Yep, and still good. back to Lee Koba being the dog. I did get dog. some news that he had to go to the, the doctor recently, and they did an x-ray. Uh, and he got that dog in him, and that's that's he got for sure. that dog so, in him. He yeah, got that dog in him, dude. They Lee walked in and they said no scat, no cat scans for this dog. No cat scans. <laughs> that's X-ray right. him. Find out if he's got the dog. They got the dog. You can't he, cat he, scan he, a dog. He cannot cat scan him. Mm-mm. MRI or bust. Yep. He uh, another guy that I, I really wish we had more time with. But he was the clear leader yeah. on the defense this year. You could see him. He was he was moving people around. He's he's controlling uh, everybody, even up to the line. He looks back and he's moving the safeties and and the defensive backs around. He just was the guy. I mean, he's the most vocal person on the defense. He's going to be definitely missed this year or next next year. Sorry, and he's definitely got that dog in him. Dog. Dog got the dog well brandon (laughs) before we wrap this up normally this is where we would pick teams we would would pick against the spread pick for the spread we'd we'd pick them all okay and i'd get on the horn okay i'd call vegas i'd let them know i'm not doing that this week we're not doing that this week but i do want to point out just to our listeners that vegas did help you a little bit but it's not in the big 12 it's over there in the sec Georgia is currently only a five and a half point favorite. I think they blow out a bit. Alabama out of the water, win by at least nine. So after you win a bunch of money betting Georgia, don't forget to call Vegas. I just want to give that update, Brandon. Yeah, when you can take that money and in John's eyes, make a trip down to Orlando to have a piece of the first edible mascot. The pop tart. I will rush the field. I will rush the field. <laughs> Snag a bite and run. Cause I got that dog in me. I guess to just just before we close here, what's your favorite flavor of pop tarts? Oh, my favorite flavor is the uh, cinnamon pop tarts. Okay, I love right. those things. Fair, fair choice. I love them. What's yours? I strawberry I am a, I'm a strawberry. Yeah, strawberry I guy. I got a I box of them right now. Yep. You look at Brandon's face. You say that's a strawberry guy. You know it off the bat. Uh, <laughs> makes total sense. We. I will be also real quick, Brandon. Before we jump off here, uh, last thing. I know we said this three times now. Last thing. Uh, give me your prediction. When we go to the Pop Tart Bowl, what will be the flavor? Ooh. Ooh, I mean, my guess is I feel like 
blueberry is very popular. That's my that's uh, my guess too. I would hope it's strawberry. I just think that makes the most sense because it's the best pop tart. But I do think that blueberry seems to be the most popular. What if it's blue and gold berry? Well, I mean that would be great because we're gonna win. So or gold and blueberry. <laughs> oh my gosh. Just, wow. What if it's just mustard and blueberry flavored? <laughs> Gross. <laughs> anyway, uh, I still jump on. I will still jump on the field and take a bite because I got that dog in me. Yep. Uh, good. Good episode, Brandon. Good episode. Absolutely. Very well, there's only one solid. thing left to say, and that is for your eight and four Mountaineers. Let's go.